Coming up on Transformers University, 1987 was a year of big changes for the Transformers franchise. An interesting year in the world and in the world of entertainment. And we'll set the scene for 1987 right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 91 of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. The website, the toy archive, this podcast, and oh so much more. And I want to welcome you to the next year of coverage. And hopefully it won't take me a year to do all this coverage, but we'll be covering the next year in the Transformers fandom, and that is 1987. And 1987's an interesting year for the Transformers brand. It's, I don't want to call it a pivotal year, but it is a year of change for a line that is about robots that change. Uh, it's a year that sees the popularity of the brand really start to drop off in the United States. And, and probably continue a downward slope. For many of you who may be about my age, and by the time this episode goes out, I will have just turned 42, Transformers became something that was an ending fad. Uh, I think the movie certainly drove some fans and people away, uh, changing the cast into 86 and into season 3, and then changing time slots also affected that for Transformers. But there's a shift in a lack of new episodes of the cartoon, and there's a shift in how uh, the toys work uh, that may have moved people away further. Um, and it's not to say the toys were bad or good. Uh, I will talk about the toy line. I actually really like the 1987 toy line. Uh, in a couple of our future episodes, we'll talk about that. But I think for the old school fan, for the first batch of fans, uh, this is their place to jump off. And it was either after the movie or into 1987, especially when uh, the series ends by the end of the year. So we only have five episodes of the original U.S. cartoon to cover uh, in 1987, we do have an entirely other series in Japan to cover with Transformers Headmasters, though we won't cover the entire series in 87 because some of it did air in 1988. Uh, we will cover a big chunk of it uh, as part of our 1987 coverage. The Marvel comic does get to continue on into 1987. Uh, the toy line in Japan continues on in 1987. We have manga to cover. We have we have some books from Europe to cover. We have a whole bunch of stuff to cover. There will be a good number of episodes to talk about 1987 and the Transformers. But it is important to note that the popularity of the line has probably waned at this point in history. Now, if you're a fan from before 87 and you're not familiar with 87, I really do hope you stick around and ride this out with me. Um, because this is really the fun part, the discovering the things you don't know. Uh, as someone who's uh, been a Transformers fan since I was six years old-ish, um, I would say that this podcast has been a discovery of things I knew nothing about. Uh, I think that's part of why I've done it, and I think I've said that many times on here. Uh, 
you know, the Marvel UK comics is something I've never experienced, but also the Japanese series, cartoon series, Headmasters, which we'll we'll get into what that means for the line and everything else as we go on. That series uh, is something I've only seen a handful of episodes of. I've never seen the entire thing. I own it on DVD. I've never watched uh, the DVDs. I've never really had the time to kind of sit with it. Um, but that said, so that's going to be an exciting new discovery for me and hopefully for you. So if you jumped off at 86 as a fan, uh, I really hope you stick around because there is a lot of fun stuff to cover here in 1987. And uh, for you younger fans, there's definitely a lot of fun stuff that echoes throughout the Transformers history that begins in 1987. And for you old school fans who were around, I uh, hope you stick around too because we do have a lot of fun stuff to cover and we'll find things that you and I just didn't know about. Now, before we get into the year that was 1987, I need you to listen to this. Hey, want to help out this podcast or the website tfu.info? There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up is quick and easy. Just swing on by to www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. If you'd like to contribute, go to tfu.info slash help for a list of what we need or send an email to info at tfu.info. tfu.info, the alpha trion and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. And so let's talk about 1987. Let's start with a little bit of history, right? Some of the more important things that happened in 1987. Canada, our neighbors to the north, uh, introduced the $1 coin called the Looney. The first version of Adobe Photoshop is developed, and United States President Ronald Reagan challenged Soviet Premier Mikhail Gorbachev to do this. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now, people born in 1987. Uh, related to the Transformers brand, we have uh, Jared Carmichael, who was in uh, The Last Night, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, the human-turned-robot weird thing from Dark of the Moon, and Darren Chris, who was the voice actor for the 2015 Robots in Disguise version of Sideswipe, who's probably better known for portraying the killer of Gianni Versace, Andrew Cunanan, in the second season of the TV series American Crime Story. Now, on the flip side, we uh, did not have any Transformers-related deaths uh, to voice actors or any of the uh, folks who worked on the show in 1987, thankfully. Uh, but as far as famous passings in the world of entertainment in 1987, uh, two, I thought, worth noting. One, Ray Bolger, who played the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz and was the final surviving main cast member from that film. And a personal favorite of mine, 
Jackie Gleason, star of The Honeymooners. And the reason I felt like bringing this up here and it's kind of important is that Jackie Gleason, known for saying this, and away we go. was the vocal inspiration for Generation One, Power Glide. And away we go. Now, in the world of film, there was a lot of big films released that year. And then big, I mean, in like culturally big. Ones that um, you'll either say you've watched, you've seen, you remember, or have kicked off a franchise uh, that has been kind of perpetual since then. Uh, the highest grossing film of 1987 was... Uh, was a film called Three Men and a Baby, starring Ted Danson, Steve Gutenberg, and Tom Selleck. Uh, but that was released at the end of 1987. So some of that gross actually comes from 1988. The highest grossing film within the calendar year of 1987 was Beverly Hills Cop, which also featured the song Shakedown by Bob Seger. And whenever I hear Bob Seger, I think of Metallica. Why? I think of the lyrics to the song Battery off of Master of Puppets. Now, he's not actually in the lyrics of the song Battery, or is he? Always sounds to me like Hungry Bob Seeger feeding on the weaker. It's actually Violence Seeker, but listen to it again, because it really does sound like Hungry Bob Seeger feeding on the weaker. And I've officially ruined that song for you for the rest of your life. Now, other films released that year, as I mentioned, franchise films from that year, uh, there were a whole bunch that either started a franchise or were part of another franchise uh, that continued on. We had the first Lethal Weapon film released in 87, Predator, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, my personal favorite of that series, Robocop. Uh, I mean, you can't even deny there's got to be a small bit of Transformers influence in that film. Police Academy 4, also probably my favorite of the series. Fatal Attraction, highly underrated comedy with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks in the film adaptation of the TV series Dragnet. I will say at least once a year I drop the words, The Virgin Connie Swale or Amal Muzz, Muzz Amal. Eddie Murphy's Raw was released in 1987. The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger released in 1987. Throw Mama from the Train. Ernest Goes to Camp. Adventures in Babysitting. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. The only way for me to solve this crisis is to be Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Another movie to come out in 1987? The Princess Bride, which actually features some Transformers in Fred Savage's room when he is talking to Peter Falk, and I must admit, this is one movie, as of right now, I've never seen. Full Metal Jacket came out in 1987. I probably saw it in that year, and I was probably too young to really have seen that film. And of course, the Mel Brooks classic, Spaceballs, which contains a reference to our robots in disguise. It's not just a spaceship, it's a Transformer. Now, while there were franchise films in 1987, some films based off of our favorite franchises from cartoons seeking to 
hit the big screen, much like Transformers the movie did, um, either flopped or didn't do all that well. Uh, Care Bears Adventure in Wonderland actually did the best of the ones I'm about to mention. They turned a profit of about a million dollars. The Garbage Pail Kids, the movie, made about $600,000, but is considered one of the worst films ever made. And 1987 also saw the Masters of the Universe hit the big screen with Dolph Lundgren as He-Man and uh, Frank Langella as Skeletor. That movie bombed big and lost $5 million at the box office. Now, the Academy Awards in 1987 were held in March, so those were for films made in 1986. Uh, So the Best Picture and Best Director for uh, the 1987 Academy Awards were uh, Oliver Stone for Platoon, which won Best Picture. Uh, Paul Newman won Best Actor for The Color of Money, where he reprised his role as Fast Eddie Nelson from the 1959 film The Hustler. Best Actress went to Marley Matlin for Children of a Lesser God. And Best Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress went to Michael Caine and Diane West, respectively, both in the film Hannah and Her Sisters. Now, onto the world of television. A couple of big pieces of TV news and shifts in the way TV was done in 1987. Uh, First one is Bob Barker goes without dyeing his hair. He goes from having slick black hair to going full-on white hair, comes out to a standing ovation. I know that if you saw the show yesterday, my hair was dark. And I'll tell you, I had a blind date last night. (laughs) Never again. A fourth network is established in the United States. So at the time, there were three national TV networks. There was ABC, NBC, and CBS. And Fox Television debuts in 1987 as the fourth network. And one of the shows that debuts with that in 1987 is a show called The Tracy Ullman Show. It was a variety comedy show. And it featured animated shorts of a family called The Simpsons. Um, Dad? Yeah? What is the mind? Is it just a system of impulses or is it something tangible? Relax. What is mind? No matter. What is matter? Never mind. <laughs> Additionally, cable would continue to grow in the United States. A show would debut on the Disney Channel called Good Morning, Miss Bliss. That would eventually become Saved by the Bell on NBC. Full House debuts on ABC. Kirstie Alley joins the cast of Cheers as Rebecca. And Star Trek The Next Generation debuts in syndication. Now, animation in 1987 and kids' TV overall is very interesting. Now, I dug up the schedule, as I like to do for these episodes, of what went on here in New York, where I am from, because it is the number one media market in the United States. And so as New York goes, kind of the rest of the country goes. So on Google, New York Magazine is available. Uh, There are scans of pretty much every issue as part of Google Books. And uh, all the TV schedules from that time are in there. So you can kind of just go to the ones for that date and look it up. So as far as Transformers is concerned, there are two very important days in 1987. There is a day in February where season three continues for two more episodes. And there is a day 
in November, where season four debuts. So I dug up what those schedules were for both the morning and the afternoons, because that's when children's programming animation uh, was on during the week. Uh, and that's usually where Transformers and a lot of our other favorite shows fit in. And it, it's kind of interesting to see uh, what shows were where, because it really does explain why I never saw some of these shows until I was an adult. Uh, or never really even heard of some of these shows until I was an adult. So the February morning schedule, and we're going to talk about two different networks. And these are syndicated networks. So in addition to the three and then four national networks, every location around the United States had syndicated networks, independent networks that kind of uh, purchased programming to run. And they would also have their own local production but usually in the mornings or in the afternoons when kids were home from school or about to leave for school, they would run cartoons. So in New York, it was two stations. It was uh, WPIX, Channel 11, and WNYW, Channel 5, which would eventually become the Fox uh, network channel. So at 6.30 in the morning in February, WPIX was running Mask, and Fox would run Centurions against it. Now I know why I never really saw Centurions, because at 6.30 in the morning, even on a school day, I was definitely asleep. 7 a.m., Heathcliff was on on WPIX, and Rambo the Cartoon was on on Fox. At 7.30, it was GoBots on WPIX and Defenders of the Earth on Fox. So even if I was awake, I was probably watching GoBots. 8 a.m. it was Galaxy Rangers up against the Flintstones. And at 8.30, and if you're watching cartoons at 8.30, like me, if I was watching cartoons at 8.30 on a weekday, either I was homesick or I was late for school. And I only had a few blocks to walk to get to school. But at 8.30 on Picks, it was Scooby-Doo. And on WNYW, it was My Little Pony. Now, on to the afternoons. Now, here's the cool thing about this. That means... In February and, and beginning of the year of 1987, Transformers wasn't relegated to the morning, which is great because, like I said, I know a lot of kids didn't know it was on because we all live fairly close to the local elementary school, right? I was probably in third grade, maybe fourth grade at that point. And you saw cartoons either while you were getting ready to go to school or you saw cartoons when you got back home from school. But your commute <laughs> to school, for the most part, uh, if you had a short one like me, uh, where you could walk to school in three or four blocks, um, meant that you were home fairly quickly, number one. But it meant usually you watch cartoons all afternoon while either you're doing your homework or not doing your homework. So the cartoon blocks on both these channels kicked off at 2.30 p.m. I know I got out of school at 3 p.m., so I never saw the 2.30 cartoons. My friends who went to Catholic school in the other direction... They got out at 2.30, so they probably saw a lot more of these shows than I did. 2.30 on WPIX was uh, Super Friends, and on WNYW, it was the Jetsons. 3 p.m. on PIX, it was the Smurfs, up against the Silverhawks on WNYW. Again, this explains why I never saw the Silverhawks, because, you know, if I got out of school at 3, I'm running around with my friends, walking home with them, hanging out, whatever, um... At home 315 maybe I definitely never got to see an entire episode of the Silverhawks at 330 it was 
Ghostbusters on WPIX, and we're talking Filmation Ghostbusters, and She-Ra on WNYW Channel 5. Right after She-Ra came He-Man on WNYW, so that's that's a solid block of Filmation there. And on the flip side there on WPIX, G.I. Joe was on at 4. Here's the important one. 4.30. WNYW had Thundercats. 4.30 on WPIX was Transformers. So season three finally moved to the afternoon, but the kids who probably grew up with it, like myself, were already outside playing for the most part or not really into it anymore. Um, and that's only if they were showing season three, because at that point, into February, before the new episodes of, of season three came to wrap it up, the majority of Transformers is seasons one and two. So for me, I always know that like I felt like I never really saw season three. Um, this is part why, because they had so many episodes to run. So if you have 49 episodes in season two and 13 episodes in season, uh, 16 episodes in season one. So that, so that is 55 episodes plus five parts for the movie. That's 60 episodes. And only 24 or 25 or so. No, wait, 20. We did this, right? We just did the last episode of 27, 28. Regardless, let's say it's 28, right? So you have basically two-thirds that are pre-movie and then one-third that isn't. I mean, I guess it averages out, right? Chances are you're not seeing a season three episode. You got like a 60% shot. You're not going to see season three in there. So either you're watching an episode you saw already and you're changing the channel and watching Thundercats or you're going to do something else because it's 4.30 and you haven't done your homework yet and your mom's coming home in an hour and you need to figure your stuff out. Now moving to the end of the year. The schedule gets a little different. and In fact, it gets different enough where a third network gets involved in the morning schedule. And again, this is important. And, and the shift in the type of programming is going to be something we need to talk about because this is important too. Okay, so by November, when season four of the Transformers cartoon debuts, we'll talk about the mornings on WPIX Channel 11, WNYW Channel 5. We'll also talk about WWOR, which is Channel 9 based out of Secaucus, New Jersey. They all kick off at 6.30 in the morning. Scooby-Doo is on picks. WNYW has Silverhawks again. Another reason why I never saw it. WWOR has Zubilee Zoo. At 7 a.m., WNYW has Defenders of the Earth. WWOR has Dinosaurs. And the new season of Transformers debuts on WPIX at 7 a.m. That's tough. That's tough to even know it's going to be on, uh, much less get kids to want to watch it or get out of bed to watch it. Uh, that's just, I was never a morning kid. <laughs> uh, probably why I know a lot of the honeymooners because I stayed up way too late. But that is, that's a tough time slot to have a show be on and be popular. Rounding out the rest of that morning, after Transformers, Gem was on at 7.30. On uh, Channel 5 on WNYW, it was He-Man. And 
WWOR had the Jetsons. 8 a.m., Pix had the Teddy Ruxpin cartoon. Thundercats was on on WNYW. And Bugs Bunny was on on WWOR. And finally, at 8.30, we had My Little Pony on, on Fox on the WNYW station, Channel 5. Channel 11 had Spiral Zone following Teddy Ruxpin. And Beverly Hills Teens was on WWOR. Now, the reason I bring a lot of this up uh, in terms of what the programming is, if we look at November versus February, we're seeing a shift away from toy-based cartoons. And and not entirely. Um, Both... WPIX and WNYW definitely have ones that are both tied to toys and aren't tied to toys. WWOR, on the other hand, has the Jetsons and Bugs Bunny and Beverly Hills Teens. I don't remember if they had a toy line, but so they they are really trying to grab that family that doesn't want their kids watching glorified toy commercials. Now, moving to the afternoon, just to show you what has now shifted Transformers out of the afternoon lineup, which is really the stronger place to be because you definitely are going to get kids coming home from school. Uh, starting at 2 o'clock, WPIX doesn't have cartoons on, but WNYW has Popeye, and WWOR is not involved in this. They have uh, uh, live programming and reruns of old TV shows. At 2.30 on WPIX, Brave Star. Again, another reason why I never saw this show growing up. 2.30, Brave Stars on. And on WNYW, it's Woody Woodpecker. Again, Popeye, Woody Woodpecker, two shows that definitely are not toy-based. They're from the 30s and 40s, right? Cartoons, 50s, 60s, probably when they were redone. At 3 o'clock, you got the Bionic 6. Uh, personal favorite of mine, uh, just for the theme song, really. Uh, again, that I felt like always felt like the toy line was an afterthought to the cartoon. And on WNYW, you got Dennis the Menace. Again, another one that is based off a comic strip. It's not really about selling toys. At 3.30, you got uh, Filmation's Ghostbusters on WPIX. And you got the Flintstones on WNYW. So here we go again, another shift. Flintstones. Not really a toy line, right? The recycled old programming from uh, from the 60s. And and real Ghostbusters eventually becomes a toy line, but again, not really necessarily built like a, a Transformer series. Plus, it's a non-violent show. So you also have a lot of shifts from uh, war shows, in, in air quotes, to non-war shows, superhero shows, or um, supernatural shows like, like the Ghostbusters. At 4 p.m., so after the... Filmation Ghostbusters are on on WPIX. At 4 p.m., you flip channels over to WNYW, get the real Ghostbusters based on the film, and on WPIX, you would have the Smurfs. Finally, at 4.30, which was the slot Transformers was in before, you have G.I. Joe on WPIX, and you have a new show on WNYW called... DuckTales! That's right, DuckTales. Woo-woo-woo. Uh, is on at 4.30. And again, this is a debut in 1987. There's a bunch of shows that debut in 1987. Like I said, The Bionic Six, Brave Stars among those, uh, and DuckTales, a show that is nonviolent and a show that is not really uh, meant to promote toys at its outset. And 
DuckTales will slowly creep its way up that schedule by a half hour every year uh, as something that gets built out called the Disney Afternoon. But it starts with DuckTales. And this is completely reactionary in TV to kind of the outcry that, that the shows that stemmed from the change in the laws, as we talked about earlier, uh, allowing these cartoons to kind of be half-hour commercials for toys, um, as there's that backlash, uh, this Disney afternoon develops off of that. Now, one other show that would debut in 1987 in December, though I couldn't really find a listing for it in New York Magazine, and they weren't always up to date, and, you know, pre-internet days, things were printed until, you know, sometimes things were planned ahead of time, and then if the show schedule changed, the, the guide didn't necessarily reflect that. And that is a show called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that would debut in 1987. Another interesting animation note, in 1987, the... Jetsons would cross over in a movie to meet the Flintstones. Uh, ALF, the animated series, would debut on Saturday mornings. Uh, a syndicated show that I've referenced here before called Out of This World would debut, as well as a show called My Two Dads would de- debut. And one more cartoon that I never saw in 1987 or even after called Dino Saucers would make its debut in 1987. Now, shows ending in 1987... Dino Saucers would also end and be canceled in 1987, in addition to, of course, our beloved Transformers. Other shows seeing their final days in 1987, The A-Team, Airwolf, Fraggle Rock, Gimme a Break, My Little Pony, Silver Spoons, my God. I think as toy collectors, we all kind of wanted the Silver Spoons house if we watched that show growing up. Uh, Teen Wolf, the cartoon, would end in 1987. However, Teen Wolf 2, the movie, came out in 1987. The Jetsons animated revival would end in 1987, and Pound Puppies would be uh, canceled that year as well. As far as the Emmy Awards for 1987, Home Best Comedy at the Emmys, Golden Girls, and Best Drama, L.A. Law. Big year for NBC, both of those NBC shows. And Best Actor would go to Michael J. Fox of the NBC show Family Ties. And before he was a movie star, he was a TV star. Bruce Willis would take home the statue for Best Actor for the show Moonlighting. Best Actress would go to Sharon Gless for Drama. And Rue McClanahan of the Golden Girls for Comedy. Now, Best Supporting Actor for Comedy went to John Larroquette for Night Court. And I'm going to digress here just for a little because I love Night Court. And you probably know this because I may try to make a Night Court reference in uh, every um, Meet the Cast episode we do, if I can. <laughs> and uh, the, 19, the season four, which uh, ends in 1980, starts in 86 and ends in 1987, features two of the best uh Night Court episodes, one being uh, A Day in the Life, which features the cast uh, of the Night Court having a huge docket of cases that would break a record, but they have to finish it by midnight. And this is one of the performances by John Larroquette uh, that just shows off his his skills and chops as an actor where they have one case left and less than a minute 
and a lot to read. Last case, felony drug driving, sir. Felony? All we gotta do is turn that over to the grand jury. We could still make it. I'm afraid not, Your Honor. My client refuses to waive the reading of the information. You what? <laughs> we never do that. But the formal charge goes on and on and on. Unfortunately, word got out that anyone not arraigned before midnight was set free. Oh, we were so close. Oh, well, that's it. We're finished. No, we're not. Not as long as I got a chance to sleep with Matilda the Hun, we're not. <laughs> Hold on. Count one, the other side declared a complaint states without prejudice to these informed police upon such information. Plans police that upon 11 1986 and above the judicial city of New York State, New York's crime of violation 23152 of the New York Vehicle Code, misdemeanor defendant did willfully and unlawfully while any influence of alcoholic beverage or driver to drive a vehicle. <gasps> Count two. Further, the separate complaint being different cause of the same class of defendants to the connection with the commissioner, they set forth the count declared complaint to set forth the information believed that the information I believe had in state that in the state and the judicial city of New York, the state of New York in violation 23152 of the vehicle code of misdemeanor was committed, defendant willfully and unlawfully while 1.0% or more weight of alcohol did drive a vehicle. The end. My God, man, gavel! Oh yeah, yeah. Held over for a grand jury, court adjourned. <laughs> now, the other thing I like to mention of 1987, there's an amazing episode from that year called. Christine's friend. It features future Transformers voice Marky Post uh, and her friend from college, who both Judge Harry Stone, played by uh, the late Harry Anderson, and Dan Fielding, played by John Larroquette, uh, both want to uh, seek a romantic relationship with. And it, there's just so much great comedic timing uh, and brilliant writing such as this one line delivered by Lara Kett. So the doctor says, oh, that's my thermometer. So where did I leave my pen? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so enough of me gushing about Night Court. Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series went to an African-American woman for the first time ever in 1987. That would be Jack K. Harry of the show 227. Best Supporting Actor in a Drama went to John Hillerman of Magnum P.I. And Best Supporting Actress in a Drama went to Bonnie Bartlett of St. Elsewhere. On to the world of sports. In Major League Baseball, the Twins defeated the Cardinals in the World Series in seven games. The Oilers beat the Flyers for the Stanley Cup. The Lakers beat the Celtics in the NBA Finals. Indiana took home the NCAA Basketball March Madness Tournament. And in the NFL, the New York Giants went to the Super Bowl. We are the New York Giants. Don't you know we're great? We're love in And defeated the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 21. I think from like 86 with the Bears and then 87 with the Giants. And, and for a while on, teams that go to the Super Bowl make a music video. So if if I can start finding them every year, I am putting them into this episode. So when we do 1988 in, in, in a few months, uh, we are definitely going to have that in there. Uh, but the Giants in 1987, uh, and well, late 86 into 87, they're an interesting team because they're the first team to dump the Gatorade cooler on their coach, Bill Parcells, and do it all season. And Giants quarterback Phil Sims was the first player to do this. Phil Sims, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you doing next? 
I'm going to go to Disney World. That's right. The I'm going to Disney World commercial originated in Super Bowl 21 in 1987. In the world of boxing, Sugar Ray Leonard took on Marvelous Marvin Hagler for the middleweight title, uh, a very famous fight. You can actually watch the whole thing on YouTube. And Mike Tyson added the WBA heavyweight title to his WBC belt. Oh, that music means we're going to video games. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Nintendo Entertainment System from 1987. And that particular game, one of my all-time favorites. In fact, it's the ringtone on my phone. And that is Mike Tyson's Punch-Out came out in 1987. And tell you a fun story about Mike Tyson's Punch-Out in 1987, too. Because uh, it involves my dad and it involves this video game. Um, I like this game a lot. My dad loved playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Um, my dad worked nights. He was a bus dispatcher, um, and he uh, would come home two, three, four in the morning because the buses run all night in New York. And he would come up to my room, and now my room wasn't that big. Uh, it basically fit a full size bed against one wall, and uh, there was the closet, and the other side had the dresser and the TV. And, and so there was basically like a four foot thin, no, not even. Yeah, like a two and a half, three foot gap between the end of the bed and the dresser. And that's also where the TV was. So it was kind of like um, just a parallel line straight through. And so when I'd watch TV in my room, I would play video games. I would sit on the edge of the bed. So my dad would come in late at night, <laughs> turn the sound off on my TV and play Mike Tyson's punch out. Uh, and he'd sit on the edge of the bed. And I would just, I probably usually, if I knew he was there, I'd roll over towards the wall. Now, the thing is, um, and if you have boomer parents like I had, um, they don't quite get <laughs> video games that it's just buttons, right? <laughs> so, you know, Mike Tyson's punch out involves a lot of just timing, dodging and then punching, dodging and then punching and usually dodge to your left or your right. Um, my dad would really get into it. He would, he would move his whole, he would turn at the waist when he would, uh, dodge instead of just pushing left he would turn left uh, <laughs> and my dad is not a small guy <laughs> so I would wake up in the middle of the night where my bed was shaking because my dad was dodging King Hippo or Great Tiger uh, and there were certainly times where my dad would wake me up in the middle of the night and say aunt beat this guy for me I, I want to get to the next one and so he would wake me up at 3, 4 in the morning to play one round of Mike Tyson and tell me to go back to sleep. All right. So <laughs> enough waxing poetic about Mike Tyson's punch out. Let's talk a little bit about other NES games that came out the year that were important. Uh, Mega Man came out in 1987 in the United States. Maniac Mansion came out in the U.S. Over on the Sega Master System, the game Fantasy Star came out. Uh, it's kind of the only important one I could find, but I wasn't a Sega person so uh at least not until genesis so if there were others please please don't don't at me bro in the arcade a couple of my all-time favorites came out that year the original contra came out in the arcade in 1907 and this game operation wolf that's right operation wolf the giant ak-47 that you would like point at the screen um 
That came out in 1987 as well. Double Dragon came out in 1987. And Street Fighter, the original Street Fighter 1, hit arcades in 1987. To the world of music, Aretha Franklin becomes the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A lot of big, important records released in 1987. U2's Joshua Tree, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, Self-titled White Snake album that features the giant hit "Here I Go," to which my wife always gets the lyrics wrong and says it's like a twister. I was born to walk alone. Michael Jackson came out with the Bad album. Def Leppard released Hysteria. White Lion released the album Pride, personal guilty pleasure, favorite of mine, but not to be confused with the band Lion from Transformers the movie. They released their album Dangerous Attraction in 1987, but without the theme for Transformers the movie, they would include it later on in a special edition many, many years later. And in the world of hip-hop, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince released their debut album, Rock the House, which features this Transformers reference. Here's a story that should not be forgot about the day my DJ turned into an Autobot. He got struck by lightning in an electrical storm. He got on the wheel of steel and began to transform. At the Grammys, again, 1987 for albums released in 1986, Paul Simon took home Album of the Year for Graceland, and Song of the Year went to Dionne Warwick and Company for... That's what friends are for. On the charts, Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer spent four weeks at number one, including the week season three returned in February. And if you're wondering what was at the top of the charts in November, it was I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany, the cover of Tommy James and the Shondells. And of course, also released in 1987... And from that Rickroll, take a quick look at the world of comics, right? Because comics are important in 1987. The Transformers series would continue on entirely through 1987, both in the United States and in the UK. Elsewhere, Marvel, Peter Parker and Mary Jane would get married. That would be written by Editor-in-Chief Jim Shooter, who would also get fired from Marvel that April. And that's something we'll discuss when we get to it in the comics episodes. But that's a big pivot. And Jim Shooter is one of the creative minds behind the birth of the Transformers. And he is going to be let go by Marvel in 1987. DC, picking up from the results of Crisis on Infinite Earths, reboots Superman, Flash, and Wonder Woman, First annual Dragon Con is held in Atlanta. In the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic, Leatherhead makes his first appearance. And in Uncanny X-Men 221, the villain by the name of Mr. Sinister is unveiled. Thanks for listening to the show. Stick around to hear what's coming up next episode. But first, I want to fill you in on a few ways you can stay in touch with the show. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. 
sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. And there you have it, folks. 1987 and the world in entertainment as it was. And we're going to have a lot to talk about in the coming episodes. I'm looking at my episode plan for all of 1987. We've got a good number of episodes. Of course, we've got the Headmasters cartoon in Japan. We've got the rest of season three and all of season four in the United States. We've got a full run of Marvel and UK comics. Of course, we've got our our toy lookbacks at the Autobots, Decepticons, Japan, uh, the Mailaways, Stars, Canada, Mexico. Uh, everything we can try to talk about with the toys, we will touch on. Uh, we've got manga to cover. We've got Ladybird books to cover. We've got the By the Numbers. We've got the Meet the Cast of Season 4. There's so much great stuff coming up in 1987. I don't want to give it all away, but we will take you all through it right here on Transformers University. So if you've made it this far, 91 episodes, thank you so much for being around. Thank you for being part of the Patreon, engaging with me on social media, whatever it is. Uh, I love that you're here. I hope, you know, in this crazy year that is 2020, I hope that uh, this show, at the very least, takes your mind off of the world outside for a little bit and just gives you a little peace and a little bit of calm. Next episode, we're going to kick it off with the toy line from 1987. Not the entire toy line. We're going to talk about the Autobot toys from 1987 in episode 92. This has been episode 91 of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. Till next time. See ya.